1: I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal land. This land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue to be in their hands long after us. Uh, this is a meeting place for sharing knowledge stories and song and we are privileged to be part of that storytelling tradition today and every day at fbi radio i pay my respects to gadigal elders past and present we are broadcasting from redfern right now redfern is the birthplace of black theater in this country and it's a site for resistance and resilience for first nations people Welcome to Race Matters. This is a show hosted by People of Colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I'm Darren LaSagas.
0: And I'm Sada Khan. Today on the show, we're going to be unpacking a topic that we delved into a bit last year around Valentine's Day, and it's been something that we've wanted to kind of unpack a bit further. I think it's a conversation, most of the conversations we have on this show are ongoing, they're never fully resolved. And what we want to discuss today is interracial relationships and interracial dating. I mean, dating as people of color is inherently a challenge. I mean, we fu- we function under colonial and patriarchal structures that don't care for people outside of the white, hetero, cis, neurotypical identity. Um, so, how has your understanding of your relationship or your previous partners shifted post twenty twenty?
1: A lot. Mm-hmm. Um And I feel like uh, I've done so much growth. No, um, <laughs> but actually, though, like I feel like when you really take stock of it, sometimes, you know, I'm in a uh, relationship now. I'll have little milestones where I'm like, oh, I can we can talk about this or like. Oh, I don't. We talked about that, and I don't feel bad about that in a way that maybe with previous relationships, I would never even think to Mm -hmm. have that kind of conversation, or I would try to have that conversation and leave it feeling quite bad. So I feel like I'm learning, you know, new languages, uh, not like literally, but like new, you know, the language of love, so to speak. But through the lens of being a person of color, a queer person of color, who is dating a white person, Um, and I feel like that kind of stuff also happens. It has to happen on your own too, Um, whether you're in a relationship or not. um, There are um, so many modes of unlearning and relearning um, and rejecting certain gazes that kind of put you in a position that sees yourself on a level of desire, attractability that isn't uh, filtered through, as you said before, these colonial patriarchal white structures. Um, How about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, where I am now, post-2020, and everything with Black Lives Matter and the conversations that and events that erupted last year, I mean, when I look back on just previous relationships that I've had, I'm just like, whoa, there is so much that I put up with that I tolerated that would just never exist for me right now in my current reality. I mean, my understanding of dating and being in relationships has, like, changed exponentially in the last year particularly because my understanding of the systems that we're dating in and how they impact the people that we um interact with like it's like i kind of hate it because like yeah <laughs> i have such a macro understanding such like a systemic understanding of dating now that like i i i wish I was a little bit more ignorant sometimes. Cause I'm just like, man, this, the pool is so small and you know, like I've, I'm in a relationship and um, I like, you know, am obsessed with my partner a hundred percent and like he, for me, like, exhibit so much of, um, strength and growth of being a black man in a patriarchal system. But at the same time, there's always still challenges because of that patriarchal system. And it's like, f- I've been like looking at like my other friends and them being in the dating scene and like trying to reimagine myself if I was ever to be in that space again. And it's just like, it, it stresses me out because if I was to reenter that scene, Right now, it would like just not be as it wouldn't it wouldn't be like Sex and City, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like it's not that because like as Black people, as people of color, for us in the dating pool, like it's really really hard to fight to connect with someone that fully understands and empathizes with your lived experiences. It doesn't gaslight you for them. Does it? Isn't like doesn't center themselves around them has that like really honest and open communication style as well. When it comes to your racial and gender identity and sexual identity, all of it, like it's, it's just really, really hard to like enter that scene again for me. If I was to ever be in that space again, like, I think I would, I think I, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I think I would be, what's that word? Celibate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's what we're talking about today celibacy the
0: but like it's just because my understanding of the patriarchy has massively changed as well yep. and how the patriarchy not only like it's it's detrimental to black women particularly because we often bear the brunt of um the men in our lives like the other black men in our lives who we deeply love and care for and you know support like unconditionally and but still there's times where it's just like you know because of these patriarchal structures they're a part of a system that like they are benefits from and we have to still sit there and bear the brunt of that and that's something that I'm really trying to kind of figure figure like it's like it's been my whole lived experience it's been my whole life and upbringing but like I don't know like I feel like I've gotten to a point of understanding now where I'm just trying to compart mentalize myself in that space with the relationships that I have with the men in my life and how to kind of because I feel like I used to be super reactive mm. as well. Yeah. Like I used to just be like, you know, can't you see that this doesn't work for you either? <laughs> like yeah, let like, yeah, yeah. go of this system. Yeah. Um and I would be really reactive to it. And now I feel like I'm in a place where I'm just trying to better compartmentalize the situation that I am in in a way that I can not compromise my own emotional feelings for it, but also have a bit of um, logic to what I'm experiencing. Yeah. So dating for me, I know that was like really long winded, (laughs) Um, but (laughs) my point is I feel like I have a much more, a, a much more critical understanding of myself and my relationships as a black woman, interracial relationships, even with my friends like, it's just, it's changed a lot post-2020. <laughs>
1: that is what we're talking about on Race Matters today. How are our understandings of our relationships uh, as black people, as people of color with our partners, how they've changed in the past year? Uh, you always started kind of Dan Sagus on Race Matters. Utopia, Utopia, Utopia There's no rest I want to get lost for you Utopia, Utopia, Utopia
0: You're listening to Race Matters, I'm Sada Khan
1: I'm Darren Lasagas and uh, today we're talking relationships We're talking interracial relationships And um, look, full disclosure, we are not relationships experts God, no! I mean, we're experts in our own relationships Mm. We're not relationship therapists
0: Mm -mm, mm -mm.
1: We're just sharing with you some things that have happened to us Not, Not to us you know th- things that we've done things that our partners have done that yeah. have made us think you know what do i want out of rela- out of this relationship and what is this relationship doing to me you know yeah um we were talking before about how you know as people of color as black people we can never not exist within a colony that would see us as uh
0: we would never like we exist in a space that sees our identity is secondary Mm. and our experiences as um, I don't want to say redundant, but not of value.
1: Totally. Um, I
0: mean, like how many times do like, if we try to like be vulnerable, like, Oh my God, I was having this conversation last night with a friend about vulnerability mm. and um, being vulnerable and open with your partner. And you know, the frustrations that a lot of women have with their partners, not doing this, Mm -hmm. um, and I watched a video. It was so funny because I was I was feeling this way with my partner once, and then thank God I watched this video because like I would have like entered this interaction with him being like, boost 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 like <laughs> this is where you upset me. This is why I fix it. Yeah yeah. <laughs> um, and then I watched this video. I can't remember the name of the YouTubers. These two guys from the states. Both of them are um, black men, and they do um, really great YouTube videos around um, toxic masculinity and themselves unlearning and unpacking that. And they had a video where they were talking with other black women about their own vulnerability and why they find it hard to open up to women sometimes and, like, that women don't really help it. And I was getting really frustrated when I was watching it because I was just like, but we, do we want this from you. But then what they were explaining was, you know, th- there'll be a way where we will, like – communicate with you and we're actually showing our vulnerability and it's taken a lot to put that out on the table but because it's not what you wanted to hear in that moment or we didn't you know because their communication skills are so inept sometimes like they haven't been really kind of conditioned or trained or put through the um you know the the runner of like being forced to communicate Mm. as well and understand their emotions and unpack it so when they do show a little bit of vulnerability and it's a lot for them to do that. But for us on the receiving end where like our communication skills are a bit more like well-versed because like we haven't heard it in a way that we were expecting or that what our, what our standards was, we then were like, well, you did, that's not what I wanted to hear from you. Yep. And then they're like, well, and that's when we recluse Yeah,
1: yeah. because
0: it's like, it took a lot for us to put that little bit out there, but because it wasn't what you like, it wasn't at the standard that you were expecting or the level mm. you're expecting. And that's what, it, And then it gets shut down and then it's like, okay, we're not going to say anything now. And that's like the – and I was like listening to it and I was like, okay, I, there's parts of it where I don't really agree with that. But at the same time, I do see where they're coming from. And like I've kind of gotten to the point now with my relationships and communication styles where I've had to be like – I have had to lower expectations because I also feel like a lot of my drummed up expectations in my mind of what I want my partner to look like, not look like, but like how I expect them to be with me has come a lot from media.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. I totally resonate with what you were saying about, you know, men shutting down and um, trying to unlearn this masculine idea of not communicating uh, your feelings uh i'm a cis man i've been in relationships with other cis men in which we've both been guilty of that um which is so unproductive and toxic because i've been in a relationship in which we both just shut down like we know that something was wrong and we'd be like i don't i don't know how to address this i don't think i have the energy to address this and more often than not, I'm scared of what the answer will be because yeah. often that means something's not wrong, something's not right, we should, you know, essentially break up. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm i a stubborn person. Like, I know that for a fact. I can see that in myself. And uh, I'm trying to unlearn that because in a relationship, like, stubbornness doesn't win and not to, like, treat it as, like, a competition, but, like, you know, you're supposed to win together, you Yes. Know? God, that's such a therapy thing. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I'm
0: <supposed and>, uh... going <laughs> to I'm gonna use that. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, like, the hard part about that is, is, like, as a brown person, you know, I was dating a white person at the time, as I'm speaking, like, um, in, in this specific example, I was shutting down about things that made me feel very keenly aware of my racial identity mm. in respect to this white person and i was like i don't think i'm ready to unpack this like because the answer is you're being racist yeah you know like i've had partners who've done little microaggressions or like refused to see things how i see them like for example like we're walking down the street holding hands people are staring and I'm like, are they staring at us because we're gay? Or are they staring at us because we're interracial? Yeah. And I'd be like, did you notice that person staring? And they'd be like, oh, nah. Like, I don't think that was a thing. Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm, okay. Oh, God, okay, if you don't okay. say, if you don't think so, then it's fine. And uh, like, for me, like at the time, I'd be like, good. I would rather that be nothing than for that to be something. But yeah. then I internalize that. And I'm like, this is my thing to carry and not theirs. And then yeah. I didn't realize that. You should be talking about that and, be, and they should be like, oh, why did that make you uncomfortable? Like, let's talk about that. What can we do? Yeah. Which is something that I've learned that I, number one, deserve. <laughs> and number two, that I can communicate that in a way with someone where we can bring both of us to a level of understanding and comfortability. Mm. And that's quite rare, you yeah. know, for someone to admit that uh, they don't know uh, you as much as they think you know. Um the point of the relationship is that you're supposed to be teaching each other about each other and so i'm in a relationship now where it's quite easy to do that yeah you know? and it's quite open and you know these are the kind of uh processes that we put in place which we don't formally address but we know that there's an open field to just be like oh that was weird when that happened yeah. or like oh didn't you think it was weird that when we went to the shops and like they only talked to you and not me like which is like and then, and then my partner would be like, "Yeah, that was totally weird. I totally see that." And, and it's it, just a
0: bit of affirmation. It's that an you affirmation, need.
1: yeah. And it's like, is it so hard? Like, it so it's and not. And it's like, this is some. This is this is um, why uh, you know, <laughs> white people can do better when they understand their privilege. You know, when they mm. understand their privilege and combine that with um, not giving in to fragility. Yeah. because no one wants to think that you know they're part of a racist system that they benefit from. Yeah. Um until they do and realize that's okay. Now you yeah. can do better and then you can lift, you know, people up around Absolutely.
0: you. Absolutely. I think it's also really important to note as well that like these are challenges that like you you might not even be facing these challenges with a white partner. You can face these these challenges Fully. with a partner who is also a POC like you, but maybe from a different nation, a different culture, I don't know. Yep. But colonization has impacted them different, differently to a way where they're still not going to protect you. Yeah. I've been in that relationship. Mm-hmm. I've been in a relationship with a man that was of color and many, many times had me in racially abusive situations where I, uh, towards me and I was not defended mm-hmm. because he was pandering to the white people in the room at the time. Their approval meant more to him than my safety.
1: It's so tragic because um, everyone, uh, especially, like, you know, people of color are on their own kind of journeys of, like, how they deal with their own, like... Guilt, yeah. um, how they deal with their own um, ideas of palatability, their own safety, their own protection. Because mm-hmm. some people will do more to feel more protected and do less to feel more protected, yeah. you know. And it, it exists on a spectrum. And, some pe- and like, if you're in a relationship with someone who's so far from where you are on the spectrum of what protection means to you, yeah. then how do you meet in the middle? Like, mm. it's so hard.
0: Oh, it's it's, so, it's such a challenge. I mean, like, like this guy actually said that he because when we would go out like people would antagonize me like well i'm going out i'm going out to relax but people go out we would go out people would antagonize me and he would say and then obviously like i i you know i don't take that i don't cop that i confront it head on i get in arguments and i would get into lots of fights and Instead of like backing me up and being like, you know, oh Sarah, like people come after Sarah a lot when we're out, and it's really stressful for her, and you know, like I, just, you know, like I'm just worried about her safety when we go out. Like I've just got to like you know back her up every time. He said, oh I I I get so anxious when I go out with Sarah because I feel like you know every time we go out she's gonna like start a fight with someone and it's gonna like ruin our night.
1: What even?
0: Yeah, nothing about like, you know, the fact that like people were seeking me out mm. to attack me, to racially attack, abuse, and attack me. It was more just like how the abuse that I was experiencing affected his night. You <sighs> know, like, the, and this is a chat, you know, this wasn't even a white man. This is a man of yeah. color that I was with. And so I think it's also like how, like, being like, through 2020 and everything that I reflected on in my previous relationships, I was just like, there were so many moments where I was like, I'd had conversations with like other sisters of mine, like black women in my life where we would be like, is there like anybody for us? Like, I don't think there's ever got like, are we ever going, we're never going to find that one person. Cause then like, I've had friends say to me that like, they've had failed relationships and now they're like, maybe I'm not meant to be monogamous. Mm. Like maybe this isn't the, this isn't the type of, you know, that this isn't the, S- this system of monogamy doesn't work for me. Yeah. And maybe I'm meant to be in a relationship, maybe I'm meant to be in a relationship with multiples of people because, like, at the end of the day, there's this, you know, hyper hetero, like, white supremacist system of dating. Like, even if you're dating other people of color, they could be people of color that still they, they can still put you in unsafe circumstances mm-hmm. and they're still benefiting from systems that they're not willing to yield on yet as well like patriarchal structures mm. and to- the toxic masculinity that that feeds as well and so it's such a, like you have this position of like you know am I gonna be alone forever? And it's such a like, it's such a like, really shitty thought to have. Um, But I guess like in that thought and compartmentalizing all of that, there is like an immense amount of growth that happens. Oh,
1: it's also, you know, standards and boundaries. Like, why should we settle for people who don't meet what our level of like, a good relationship should be, you know? Mm. And that's why I feel like you know quote unquote the pool is so small like as you were saying before it's because we learn what we want yeah and that's probably i would rather that and like be alone than just kind of keep dating and just being like exhausted by the fact that i can't connect with people in a way that i want to yeah yeah
0: yeah and like you know your safety and your well-being is more like paramount and vital than anything else um but I mean like I've I've like definitely completely like redefined the relationships in my life and what I need from certain people. So like I've even just like been like, you know, okay, so my partner might not be able to be the one to like have this critical like, you know, conversation with me about so-and-so here but that's okay because i have so many other people in my life that i can turn to mm, for that totally so like also kind of like redefining and understanding what purpose people serve in my life and what purpose oh, i so serve good. in their life as yeah. well because it's like you know you can't make your significant other the the, the like pinnacle or the yeah. like you know you can't be so dependent on them to like emotionally serve you like that oh, like your emotional needs have to really be like distributed out to yeah. like other other people and other spaces that's like why, it can't be your only
1: one that's why i have issue with people who say oh them he's my rock i'm like you you need multiple rocks you need like <laughs> you need a pebble stone beach babe like you need way more than that one rock
0: a hundred percent
1: you are listening to race matters with sada khan and darren Lasagas. we're talking relationships uh right now we're going to have uh, multiple amounts of episodes on this. So We should just do the whole show like this. Oh, no,
0: fun It's all centered around relationships. <laughs> oh, God. I um, would love to do that, actually.
1: You mentioned before, Sarah, about how, you know, especially in those impressionable years as teenagers, we get taught a lot about what relationships are by the media, by the TV we consume, by the movies we watch, by the music we listen to, um, and how that... kind of shapes the way we build expectations and boundaries and um, you know, what we can be to others and what others are to us. Mm. Um, But how are you unlearning that now?
0: Oh, I'm going back and rewatching a lot of um, these (laughs) rom-coms and TV teen shows that filled my upbringing. (laughs) Um, And, watching them and just being like I can't believe that this was someone that I was like my toxic teenage self was championing him in this relationship um I mentioned before that I was I talking to you about it that I watched this movie Something Borrowed
1: maybe and
0: then the movie He's Just Not That Into You oh yeah Um, And just watching them and just, like, the messages that come out of that. Like, even he's just not that into you. It tried to be some type of, like, relationship guru film, you know? And doing, like, you know, case studies of different people and relationships and what they look like. By the way, not a single person of colour in that movie. Not one single person. So white. (laughs) It makes me so angry. But, um, yeah, I think, like, there's a lot that I kind of emulated my life around and what I wanted from men and also my own desire and femininity came from all of the, all of these shows that I was watching and how I should be as a woman Mm -hmm. instead of learning that on my own internally. Like I think I I allowed a lot of external um, things to inform me on that instead of just like, searching for it within myself internally. And that was like a really harsh reality that I had to come to when one of my previous relationships ended as well. Cause I just kind of realized that like, I'd let so much of myself go in that relationship to um, we all do it. We all at some point have been in a relationship where we have absorbed the identity of the, of them and their world and let that dictate the decisions that we make instead of, and we end up loo- like losing the things that we love mm. about ourselves and i think like a lot of sh- a lot of movies and a lot of television and a lot of music d- contributed to that you know like i got I, I me and my roommates recently rewatched
1: all of gossip girl oh my god
0: and there's just so many moments in it where i'm just like this is an abusive relationship. This um, is a physically abusive relationship. Chaka Chuck Bass
1: should go to jail. Oh. Send him to jail. Oh, my God. Oh,
0: my God. And the things he does to Blair is he gets physically abusive yeah. at one point. And I'm just like, they keep putting her in positions where it's like, she thinks that that's, that that's her big love. There's even like one line in it that I was like, Mm, I'm so disgusted, so, so disgusted at. And it's when like Blair has spent the night with Chuck and she's engaged to Louis, the French, the the Prince of Monaco, whatever. (laughs) Um, Please just let me, let me frame it. Please let me frame it without judgment. Um, (laughs) But, and she's saying to Chuck, like, I'm, I'm choosing you over him. And he's like, why? And she's like, You know, yes, my love with Louis is easy and simple and, you know, carefree and all this stuff. But it's not like us. Like we have a grand love and, you know, it's, you know, it's challenging and it's, you know, there's so much uncertainty, but it's exciting. And I was like, you literally just described lust. (laughs) Like you literally just put two and two together of a toxic relationship and a healthy relationship and you and you're saying you're you're saying that and like but the way it's being like delivered to us as an audience is like this is the love that you want this is the love that you go after the challenging unrequited like problematic but exciting and you know disturbing and grandiose type of love i'm just like no that's 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 abuse that's an that's a toxic relationship that's not healthy and she literally sat there and was like louis easy and nice and kind and blah blah blah." and you know i love him and it, i don't have to question things with him and but i'm like i'm like yeah that's great <laughs> go
1: for that give me that do
0: that don't go for the man that sold you for a hotel <laughs>
1: So many things uh, in that show. And like, I remember when I got sold for a hotel too. That was <laughs> cool. I was like, "Hang on, this feels wrong."
0: There's something about <laughs> this that just doesn't feel right to me. Um, <laughs> but I watched that, and like my little toxic teenage self ate oh, all yeah. of that up.
1: <laughs> oh god!
0: I was like, "Yes, grand love, give it to me baby." <laughs> yeah it's like take some girl's virginity on the night that you were supposedly gonna to propose to me
1: oh my god
0: <laughs> oh lordy 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 i just yeah i there's so much that came out of a lot of those shows i feel like a lot of the um media is res- definitely responsible in how we understand our desirability as as mm. women especially like even yeah like the representation of like like only hetero relationships as Mm. well. Like there's no real, like, like I remember talking to another um, friend of mine that was saying like, you know, she's like, there's hardly anything out there for even like lesbian relationships.
1: Oh, yeah. She's
0: like, all we've got is the L word. Mm -hmm. She's like, so even then it's like, you know, men are served first when it comes to queer relationships. Women are so like, there's no content there for us to like see adequate representation.
1: Um, yeah, I totally relate. I feel like the first, um, bit of like queer media that I was introduced to, I was quite young. I would say maybe like, ooh, like 16, well, that's not even that young. Um, but like, oh, maybe 14, 15, 16, around that age, I just was allowed to get a TV in my room. So yeah, just (laughs) fancy. Um, and one night. I just turned it on really low so I didn't wake up my parents. And um, Queer as Folk was on TV. Do you oh, know what yeah. Queer as Folk? Uh, it was the American version. Um, I won't go into it because everyone knows what Queer Folk is. But I remember thinking at the time I was like, I knew deep down that I was gay, but I hadn't like come out. But I knew that I was like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. But at the same time, I was like, I am so far removed from what is being depicted in this show that maybe I'm not even gay, you know? I was like, everyone, the main cast is white. Um, The way they talk about engaging um, sex and have relationships is so far removed to anything that I knew at the time Yeah, that I was like, this is literally another world that I will never be a part of. And so I just like kept watching it but just like retracted. i just kind of like watched as this like clinical viewer knowing that this is like something i like subconsciously wanted i guess knowing and subconscious is not the same thing but like knowing that i wanted this but knowing that it was out of reach and i felt like i harbored that for a long time yeah and then like i went to uni like years later and um started like i majored anthropology number one anthropology lots of conversations to be had about it as a uh field of work love it but also don't love it yeah um anyway we did this course that was like um gender and sexuality and anthropology and a a lot of the readings that we did um were around the commodification of sexuality and sex work in southeast asia Mm. and i remember again reading about um you know sex tourism um gay sex tourism in southeast asia philippines included where um, i'm from and reading it so clinically but seeing myself in that more and i was like wow this is gonna mess me up in some way (laughs) i was like oh like the way okay the way anthropology is written you can't deny um the gaze in which you know field work is conducted and like who's doing it why are they doing it and who's the subject and why they're the subject Mm. and how reflexive is this you know practice being anyway at the same time that i was reading all this stuff i was starting my early forays into like the apps like grinder and stuff and i was looking you know in my readings at the ways that um you know young asian men were objectified by white men um and completely fetishized Mm. by them into um yeah being merely objects of sex um it happens in will
0: and grace oh yeah yeah
1: and then like i was on um you know grinder and i would be like um you know talking to guys or whatever and some would outright just be like oh no asians and they'd be like hmm what is this doing to me now and i was just like how like looking back on it now i'm like how did that inform my ideas of desire and sexuality and attractability because that is such a like Formative time to be mm. discovering that I think for you know a young queer person because you know puberty, for the most part, for a lot of people who aren't out at, at the time that they're you know reaching puberty, they're kind of being denied that formative you know exploration of sexuality with their peers because you know they're in the closet, you know, they're, they're they don't fully know what it means to be gay, yeah. And I was inadvertently being taught what it meant through all these modes of like systemic racism. It's a lot of
0: grooming, isn't it? Yeah, it is
1: like a bit of grooming. And like, it's taken me a little while to kind of see that with some perspective and be like, okay, that did inform the way that I understand sexuality in a way that it's quite unique and has afforded me some sort of like, you know, privilege of understanding how I exist in these systems. And I, I feel like I benefited from that. But then there's still, like, moments I catch myself and be like, oh, shouldn't think that. Or, like, oh, why did I belittle myself there? Or, like, oh, like, I, don't, I shouldn't care about what that person thinks or, like, yeah. what that person says about, you know, whatever. And so I've started to, like, actively try and embrace, surround myself, engage with media that doesn't reflect a white gaze upon an Asian queer person. Yeah, um, And there's so much good stuff out there that you can watch um, to varying levels of degree, but all of it kind of together works as kind of like an ecosystem of what it means to be a queer Asian person. But something I watched recently was this movie, I watched it with my partner called Macho Dancer. It's a um, Filipino film uh, from the 80s in which this um ex uh, filipino soldier who uh leaves the army um gets broken up with by his american white boyfriend and then becomes a sex worker and his kind of friendship that he develops with another filipino sex worker and it becomes about their relationship void of any kind of like white gaze although you know philippines you know a, a product of the colony as well but like the way that they present uh you know sexuality and you know sexual identity and desire is in such a way that it is completely within their own Mm. um agency and uh gaze and i was like oh i wish i watched this when i was like younger because you know these are people in full control for the most part of their you know sexual identity and it's like that's what i aspire to be
0: yeah and like we just need an influx of content like oh, this yeah i think like we're definitely in like an age of change right now oh yeah when it comes to representation and um the sto- stories being you know far more her uh, inclusive <laughs> um <laughs> but i think like i've definitely got like in my head i'm like i'm just gonna write something that's just for black women, yeah because like, like, and I'm talking Aboriginal, First Nations, Torres Strait Islander women, like, you know, way, the ways that we see ourselves and our desirability. That's like you know determined mm. by us, but also making comment on how it's really hard. Like you know, we have to. It's a it's a form of resistance against patriarchy as well when like you're trying to constantly find your internal value. Yes. Like it's it's it, cuz it, you know the systems that we live under doesn't nourish that. Mm-hmm. Like we're constantly being berated and told and gaslit on what our role is in society in um you know in a, in and around what men what he- cis hetero men want. Yeah. So I think like we have to like constantly remind ourselves as Black people, as people of color, you know, that every every time you choose not to define your desirability based on what someone else wants, that's an act of resistance oh, as well. Yes. Yeah. Totally. And that's, and that's an act of strength. Oh. Yeah. It's really, it's really hard. It's hard. (laughs) It's so hard. You you
1: really have to convince yourself of that. (laughs)
0: Because like this, this, this is stuff that taps into like our deepest emotional, like, you know, values i guess like yeah. you know love and sex and relationships and intimacy like that like it 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 really like just like triggers so much vulnerability that it, it's so hard to like you know be in resistance of things that we've like norms that we've been conditioned into but like you know just keep at it
1: keep at it
0: yeah keep at it <laughs> you're worth it you'll fight you'll find your you know wherever your um internal strength and Mm. desirability for yourself that and from yourself you know it has to come from yourself and not (sighs) external stuff as well but you'll get there and when you start getting there like it's it is easier to stay there
1: yeah oh my god be your own rock
0: yeah be your own rock and like i said before like don't you know put don't put your emotional needs like all into one person because that's a that's, that's monogamy, man. And like, that's something I've been like, really like, I'm learning a lot of as well is like, how much I've just been conditioned into accepting monoga- monogamy as the only way of love. That's toxic, right? <laughs>
1: That's all for Race Matters this week. I'm Darren Lasagas.
0: And I'm Sada Khan. You can find every episode of our show at fbiradio.com forward slash race matters or wherever you get your pods. Thanks so much for listening. You mob will catch you next week. Race matters. Race matters.
1: Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters.